1: As a true football fan, you already know, just as sure as the seasons change, Randy Feetner is calling the draw play on 2nd and 23. Every weekend, our favorite Gridiron Warriors put their skills to the test, so why aren't you doing the same? We're way past halfway through the NFL season now, so you better get off your butt and bet on some of these games. My bookie is the premier place. Put your bet on all of your favorite pro and college football action every single weekend. They got the most up-to-date lines, the most prop bets of any sports book on the planet. How many shots of people in duck costumes are we going to see in the next Steelers game? If Mike Tomlin commits to starting duck, over-under starts at five, I'm taking the over. If you're the kind of guy who likes to bet a little and win a lot, try a parlay. Pick your locks for the week, put them together in one parlay bet all the ohio teams are going to lose and when they all come through the rewards will be huge the best part is if you join right now my bookie will double your first deposit that's right if you put in a thousand they'll give you a thousand that's double your initial deposit that you can use on all of your favorite picks use the promo code pair to activate the offer visit mybookie.ag today you play you win you get paid
2: Mama said, there'll be days like this. There'll be days like this, Mama said. Mama said, there'll be days like this. There'll be days like this, my mama said. Mm. Welcome to the Steelers Outpost podcast, a proud member of the Armchair All-Americans Network. This is December 16th, 2019. This is Tom from the Washington, D.C. Outpost. Nick joins me from the Houston Outpost. Nick. It's like we promised not to get expectations up. And I actually think for the first time, my passions exceeded yours. You were much more steeled to yes. yesterday's debacle than I was. I just felt I knew I knew she was going to break my heart when I started mm-hmm. dating her. I knew she was too good for me or maybe yeah. the other way around. But I stayed up again until that ridiculous hour watching that, that just getting my heart trampled on. Yep.
1: Uh, Well, luckily for me, my heart was shattered into a billion small shards when Ben Roethlisberger was announced as out for the season. So I feel like I'm like Tommy Shelby on the Peaky Blindness. Everything right now is just extra. So I wish that we had had time to preview this Bills game uh, last week because it went pretty much exactly how I thought it would go. The Steelers and the Bills are like that meme of Spider-Man pointing at the clone of himself. Like we're the same exact guy. The, B- the Bills and the Steelers both have elite top five defenses and pretty anemic offenses. Uh, the Bills get the slight advantage with Josh Allen, who of course, you know, being a first round pick, physical freak of nature, is a lot more physically talented than anything the Steelers have at the quarterback position. And he's a second year starter. So they have some continuity and he has more experience than duck, or Rudolph for that matter. And uh, so that kind of gives the Bills the slight advantage, although the game being played in primetime at Heinz with the blackout uniforms kind of evens that out for the Steelers a little bit. So I figured this would go down to the wire, and uh, I just wondered if the Steelers would be able to move the ball whatsoever, and our question was answered, they cannot. (laughs)
2: Well, I guess we shouldn't bury the lead. The Bills did win the game 17 10, and it did go down to the wire. I mean, we actually had a chance, but yeah. I don't. Were you holding out any hope given our abject lack of productivity on offense? My mind was telling me no, but my body was telling me yes. Yeah, you won it. We got a whole 229 yards, 51 yards on the ground. I mean, there's a lot to talk about, uh, you know, the individual aspects of the game, but I mean, yes the d- the defense did what it had to do if if only for uh being put in a couple of bad positions by our punter on our um, lack of firepower and offense,
1: yeah, so we all know already that this offense isn't going to put up points. I compared. The Steelers this year, um, last week we talked about it. I compared them to the Jacksonville Jaguars of two years ago when they really should have won that AFC championship game against the Patriots, if not for that uh, fumble return for a touchdown that got blown dead. Uh, That team with Blake Bortles at quarterback, and no, we don't want to talk about that team. I hate talking about them, but they were kind of a marvel because that offense. Despite what they did to Pittsburgh and Keith Butler in the divisional playoff game, that offense was putrid. They had nothing. The defense was so good they managed to just keep winning games with defensive touchdowns and special teams touchdowns. And the Super Bowl champion Broncos a few years before they did the same thing. It's like that luck should run out at a certain point. You can't keep winning games with an offense that, like, where seventeen points for an offense is is an incredible accomplishment. So yeah, they just kind of met an immovable force and the biggest issue from the game of which there were many is probably the five turnovers that the Steelers had on offense. And and of course the last two turnovers are, they're not really weighted as heavily because that's just duck throwing it up, um, trying to to make something happen at the, the very end of a hopeless game. But that Barry punt you mentioned it. I mean, that basically functioned as a turnover because if you you wanted to see the bills go 75 yards down the field and score in that Steelers offense, they couldn't do that. So really, I think that before the game, I wanted to predict a 12 to 10 final score. And you probably would have been around that if not for that terrible Barry punt or for the, the nasty interception that Hodges threw on the sideline or, you know, any of those turnovers, I think that was probably the worst thing that they did.
2: Well, You know, ironically, you mentioned turnovers and they seemed like an outsized aspect of the game, but but check this out. We had an interception and Mm -hmm. we immediately fumbled that away. We had a fumble recovery (laughs) followed by three and out. So we did not score a point on the two turnovers we received. We fumbled four times, losing it once, and we threw four interceptions. You know how many points the Bills scored off of those? Three. Three. They scored a touchdown off of that muff punt, and he had that second punt that was pretty short. It ended up at the Bill uh, Bills 36, and they punted that. So I got to say, I mean, yes, the, the the turnovers affected the game because the Bills got a whole field goal, which mm-hmm. was actually when you ha- when your game is 17 to 10, three points is meaningful. But I have to say, nobody really jumped on all the turnovers. didn't really matter. Well, that's
1: a good point. It kind of shows you how incredible the Steelers' defense is. They, they really are phenomenal playmakers at every single level. And it shows you what we already knew about the the Bills. They don't have a very good offense. They're not terrible, but they're not that great. Now, I am counting the the, the shanked punt basically as a turnover because it gave the Bills the ball – at like the Steelers 30 or 40 yard line or whatever that is. And then they scored the touchdown. So you're right. It didn't make much of a difference, but if you didn't have that happen, I mean, you're taking at least four or seven points off the board for the bills. And somehow the Steelers could have maybe squeaked out another win
2: where your defense really scores the points for you. So, um, well, I'll take I mean, it back. I'll take, cause the punt gave them seven and one yeah. of the, um, and the fumble gave them three. So that's 10 of their 17 points.
1: What happened you know, on the end of the drive where uh, duck threw that out route and we'll talk about duck in a second here, but duck threw the out and Tredavious white picked it off and he was going to run it back into the end zone. But then Filer made that critical tackle. Is that where they got three? On the they a field goal.
2: Yeah. Yeah. It got caught it. On, it got it on our, um, Filer. Great play by Filer, Huge play. We do. We honestly. need to come up. We ought to have a contest to get him his nickname. Uh, but he, he pushed him out of bound. Flying Filer pushed him out of the pit 15, 18. Hey, um, so, Duck, I took a look at the next-gen next gen statistics. I mean, he, <laughs> there were five passes completed past 10 yards, past the line of scrimmage. I mean, just absolute futility. But here's what really mystified me. Hmm. The fact that Connor opens up the game with a 17-yard run and had only eight attempts the whole game, and you and I were surmising that they were trying to bring him back slowly. If you listen to Mike Tomlin's post-game presser, he said wasn't a factor.
1: Yeah, I don't buy that for a second. It, it <laughs> definitively has to have been a factor. And if that was not a factor – If their strategy was, wow, Connor averages 10 yards a carry. Let's give the ball to Benny Snell, who runs a 7, 8, 40. Oh, how about we give it to Samuels, real explosive with a 6, 4, 40. Are they the two slowest running backs in the entire NFL? I really think that they're in the running for that. Um, But, uh, yeah, I don't buy that for a second. I think that, um, you know, Tomlin, of course, over the years has shown he really likes to ride the hot hand. He really wants to give the ball to Bell or Connor until the wheels fall off. And even when he's adjusted that strategy, it's like, okay, I'll get four carries to Snell or D'Angelo Williams. Like, so that's outside of his personality. Um, it was so obvious when James Conner entered the game. Like I put out a tweet saying that it was appalling how much more explosive James Conner is after not seeing him for three or four games, how much more explosive he is than Snell and Samuels who just get the ball and plod around. And and it really does show you um, – I mean, you know, side note. I'm kind of going on a tangent here, but I do think if we can see Kareth White in some pass protection situations, which I have not really seen him in uh, that much this year, I really think it's James Connor and Kareth White, and then those other two guys. I don't need to see them in the game at all. There's, they don't offer anything that the others two uh, that the other two can't do already. And Connor just exploded off the off the screen, and I think that. Tomlin's probably saying that he was not on a pitch count. I would guess that's just some gamesmanship to prevent other teams from thinking that he's injured or something. But I saw some people complaining on Twitter about the run to pass ratio. And again, that's a really hacky complaint because a lot of times when you're losing a game, that ratio gets skewed because you're trying to pass at the very end of the game in an attempt to move the ball quickly and win. But, It it just does seem weird that it's like I keep putting Connor on a pitch count, but like eight touches Mm -hmm. when he was ripping through them. The Bills are the 21st rush – like ranked rush defense, and they're like the third or fourth or fifth ranked pass defense. So you already have a quarterback who, yes, is an American hero, but he does not have an elite or average arm, and you're going to try and pass to – yeah, that was – Pretty bad. And uh, there's plenty to say about Duck and there's plenty to say about Feetner. I don't know if you have anything else on Connor or Feetner, which way you want to go with that.
2: I think we uh, I think that's all you're covering. That's sort of your your bright spot. Other other than um Zach Gentry making his first reception as a stealer. Yeah. That's great. That was yeah. that was it. Yeah, that, that is the
1: bright spot. I think you're right. No, Connor was great. So, okay, let's let's talk about Duck first. Um, there's a lot to say here. Um, I could probably do an hour podcast on how hilarious Twitter was last week when the Steelers triumphed over the mighty four win Arizona Cardinals in in the last moments of the game where there are people. And again, this is the kind of thing that you just ignore because nobody intelligent was arguing this, but there were, there is a hilarious amount of people were like Ben's done. It's, it's duck time duck threw for 159 yards last week. And we beat the Cardinals by a hair and people like it. Yeah, Ben, he just wasn't doing it. Remember all the interceptions he threw last year. Uh, Yeah, I also remember all the touchdowns in the yards and going toe-to-toe with the Saints in the Superdome, but I guess we're forgetting about that. Now, here's what I'm trying to say is I love Duck. Even when he throws four interceptions, I still love him because he's at least more entertaining to watch than Mason Rudolph, who's literally like a piece of poop with an arm. That's what Mason Rudolph is. Watching him play football is like drawing on with Sharpie on my eyeballs, and just seeing what happens. That's what watching Mason Rudolph is like. So I'd rather watch Duck lose than Mason Rudolph win, even though Mason Rudolph the only way he's going to win is if the defense course for him. But you guys, Duck, first off, he's very young. He's an undrafted rookie free agent, so he definitely can get a lot better. But he's also just not that physically talented. I like his moxie. I like his confidence, and I like him better than Rudolph. But at the end of the day, just look at the the interception that I referenced earlier when he threw the out route to the sideline. That's the throw, the the deep out that you look at to see what kind of arm an NFL quarterback has, because it's actually much further than you think. Throwing horizontally on a ten yard throw like that, you're gonna you're throwing it almost like thirty yards, and you have to throw it on a frozen rope. You have to throw it uh, just. Like you have to throw a bullet rather than throwing a 50-yard pass. You get a lob it in the air. And when he threw that pass to try and get it to Johnson or whoever it was, not only was it way behind him, but it just didn't get there fast enough and it floated in the air. And that's when white took it away from him. So duck has major limitations as a player. Okay. First and foremost, foremost. And then for the crowd, who's saying that Randy Feetner is the biggest issue. You are also correct. He has, no semblance of rhythm. He has multiple aneurysms per game where we're getting to the point where I think that Mike Tomlin might need to be investigated for endangering this man's health because he – like I think Randy Feetner would call the butt fumble intentionally. Because he basically did that when the Steelers and their 32nd ranked red zone offense got into the red zone. He has James Conner run the Wildcat for the first time in James Conner's life. And guess who he lines up at running back next to him? Oh, Deontay Johnson for the first time in his life. And he has them run a mesh point like handoff. And, of course, they fumble the ball and they turn it over. So that comes a week or two after he runs a quarterback sweep with – With Hodges, I guess he was watching a lot of Lamar Jackson the night before. So not only does he have no rhythm to his plays, not only do they not attack the middle of the field whatsoever, not only do they not dial up any free gimme plays like you see the 49ers and the Rams run where you just fake the handoff and you roll out the other way, you throw it to the first guy he also has these crazy brain farts where he has weird situational play calling. So he's brutal. Duck is not a lot to work with. And that's just a recipe for a poop offense, especially when the one explosive player you have, I mean, Washington and Deontay did some good things, but Connor was really moving the sticks and they don't give him the ball. The end. There's okay. all my thoughts. Yeah. Duck and Fiener.
2: Uh on the O line. I'm not sure what to say about the line. It, d- it didn't feel like duck got a ton of protection, but I think, you know, that in combination with the fact he just holds the ball and he's not getting yeah. rid of it. fast. I thought that would be the game plan, just sending guys across the middle. I mean, you look at this, this next gen chart and there are very yes. few, very few balls going to the middle. They are all going to mostly, you know, well, left and right. Yeah. Um, but so what do you think about, was there adequate protection? Um, How were they on the run game? There were only 15 running attempts.
1: Well... I think that while I was watching the game, I actually started to get worried about the offensive line, which is my, my, my big worry this season, even when Ben at, went out, I was like, damn, this offensive line, we take them for granted. You know, you're just going to show up in Pittsburgh with the, with the team and have this great offensive line. And what if Ben gets back next year? And then we kind of don't have Munchak and these guys are getting older and what if it crumbles? And last night I'm seeing Hodges not really get a lot of time and, oh crap, it's happening. But then rewatching it, uh, they settled in like pretty well, and just we know that Duck has had this issue since the first game he's gone in. But sometimes he just runs into the rush, and he doesn't have a great feel for the pocket. Now there definitely were a few times where he got bum rushed. Um, by some people coming in. But a lot of that was actually due to the Bills running some confusing blitz schemes, like when they blitz a slot corner or something. And I don't know if that's on Connor or if that's on Villanueva, who was supposed to pick up one of those guys who came on the left side. But I think that the offensive line actually acquitted themselves fine. And I think that you saw when James Connor, when you had an actual explosive athlete get the ball, he made some things happen. And then when you saw Samuels and Snell, like they, they just need paradise conditions for them to be able to get yards. I mean, they're not going to get anything themselves. Even Connor was breaking some breaking tackles and making some awesome jukes. You know, when was the last time we saw a running back juke someone out? I thought of Kareth White once again for the past few weeks. So I thought that they were fine. Um, I just think that the offensive coordinator didn't put them in a great position to succeed by getting the ball to the right playmakers. And then, of course, yeah, Duck um, freaked out a little bit.
2: So moving to his receivers, James Washington, 11 targets. He had five receptions for 83 yards and Deontay had his own five receptions for 62 yards.
1: Those guys are so exciting. I mean, I duck under through um, Washington on a couple that he might've even been able to get farther on, but it's, he's so consistent. He does not get a lot of opportunities. You can see those 11 targets, but how many of them are catchable? I mean, we haven't seen Washington drop a ball this year. I mean, we actually with Washington, we've barely seen any situations where he's one-on-one one-on-one and the ball goes to him down the field where he, he does. I mean, he catches it almost every time. And another couple of critical catches down the field for him in this game. So I am so excited about those two guys. Uh, It is a bummer that Juju, uh, is hurt and he didn't get up that he like re-aggravated his injury or whatever but it's a really exciting receiver group going forward and there's kind of a rotating cast of, of guys between Kane and, and uh, Telvin Jones who they are Tevin Jones who they cut today actually for another guy in the practice squad um, so I'm sure they'll bring somebody in next year uh, but man they look pretty good I mean Deontay Johnson hooked Tredavious White a couple times in this game. And Trey White, he had two picks and he's one of the best corners in the whole league. So there's a lot of promise between those two guys, but it's the same story that we've been telling
2: since day one. Like they just don't get a lot of opportunities. Well, and let's not forget um, Johnny Holton's coming out party two for two. Ah, jeez. Negative one yards.
1: I think Alex, Kazora today posted a statistic saying like there are only two receivers in the entire league with like 15 targets in under 30 yards or something. And it's Moncrief and, and Holden.
2: <laughs> oh, yeah. I've seen enough of Holton. I think that experiment, it's time for that to end. Bopping to the other side of the line, uh, a little interesting statistic. Maybe you guys caught it for the first time in 92 years, three brothers were playing in the same NFL game. Our two Edmonds, And um, Tremaine Evans on the other side. Interestingly, Terrell had led the Steelers with 11 tackles. Did you see that happen? I did see that. Um, It seems like there were a
1: couple plays where he could have made a play on the ball. And we now know officially if we didn't know officially before he is allergic to turnovers much like the old Steelers defense, but I will say he has definitely improved flying up and making some tackles near the line of scrimmage. So if he can just keep that up and we just accept the fact that he's never going to have an interception and let Minka handle the interceptions, let Steven Nelson handle the interceptions, Joe Hayden hopefully hangs on for a little bit longer, then that's pretty, pretty encouraging. All things considered it's a, it's weird, you know, getting picked in the first round like that. But he has shown some slight improvement, although probably that touchdown on the out route to the tight end. I don't know if it was Knox who scored, but uh, that was him and Mark Barron screwing that up. So if someone's screwing up on the defense, you can count it's going to be him or Barron. But he has definitely made some slow improvements over the year. Were you surprised
2: as I that the Steelers only managed one sack yesterday?
1: I didn't even realize that. So you said it right now. That's crazy.
2: TJ, right? TJ and Vince split a, split a sack.
1: Well, they had a couple, I want to
2: say where, you know, uh,
1: Allen, Josh Allen, I mean, that dude is a freaky good runner. And I think there were a couple, if I remember correctly, where maybe he ended up gaining two yards or whatever, where they would have sacked anyone else, but you know, maybe he actually landed past the line of scrimmage, but for all intents and purposes, they, you know, got to him and they definitely rattled him uh, quite a bit. And Yeah, he was nothing to write home about by any means. He made a couple plays here or there. That's kind of to be expected. I thought that there was a decent rush. Man, so how about, first off, the gorgeous peanut punch that TJ Watt executed to force the fumble earlier in the game, and then how close he was to doing it again to Josh Allen in the fourth quarter when he had had that punch move. He ended up just punching him in the gut, which maybe that's a better strategy.
2: (laughs) Make him stop coming back for more, but damn, so close. You know what? He looks so natural. It looks like just part of his running motion. Yeah. How hard is that? He is, he is executing a punch. You know, when a guy's got a ball gripped, it's hard to get to, but TJ is, I mean, it's a, we don't appreciate how hard that must be. Cause many guys are trying to slap in and trying to push the ball out during a running play and aren't able to do it the way he does.
1: Yeah, I think that's what separates the defensive player of the year candidates, leaders in the clubhouse, if you will, from other really good players. It's like, yeah, not only is he going to run you down, not only is he going to shed the block, not only is he going to form tap you, but he's going to punch it out. He can do, you know, a hundred things at once. So that just really shows how awesome he is. I do think that he is the defensive player of the year. Like even, he has like a turnover, forces a turnover every week. And I think that those other guys deal more you know, on the Patriots phenomenal and Aaron Donald, you might be able to make the argument that he's like a Bill Belichick of defense, where it's like, just give it to him every year. Coach of the, well, the, year, year. By the year, but TJ, man, uh, he
2: is saving the Steelers on a weekly basis. But not to be lost in uh, the glow that is TJ. What is Cam Hayward yesterday? Oh, he was incredible. Yeah, he was really the guy. Kudos to, to Cam on that game. Do you remember near the end in the fourth quarter, it was a um, third and 10 and TJ had to reach back. There was a one handed tackle he made. Is there? Oh,
1: a- yeah. Yeah. On um, Singletary, that little scuttlebug. Well, back. Yeah, he <laughs> dove in there and scuttlebug. grabbed him by the foot. I told uh, my buddy Andre, we were watching it together. We looked at each other like this guy. I mean, if, if TJ Watt touches you with the finger, you go down. That's the rule. That's how, that's how Brady is. He's a what? He's
2: a man of substance. So we have Steve Nelson, who we've been, you know, adulating all season. He did. He I got one. You know, I, th- I think he got some undue uh, criticism, but he did get burned on that one play.
1: I don't think he got burned. I th- I thought that did he, he was in somebody great. Somebody else? No, I think he was in great position, and just sometimes the quarterback and the receiver. I mean, that was an unreal catch for um, Brown there. And it was a good throw. I thought that he was in great position and that just shows you a lot. It's so different from the the past years when, you know, Artie was back there, Antoine Blake, and they wouldn't even be in the frame when the receiver catches it. Even now it's like, Hey, they're going to catch some on you. The game is set up so these guys can catch some on you, but he was even in good position for that. So Steven Nelson has been, he's been unbelievable. And I'm glad that he finally got an interception, um, much deserved because he's been playing incredible. The numbers may not be there, but that's not how playing cornerback works. You don't always get the numbers. Sometimes interceptions
2: are, you know, off of tips and stuff like we saw last night. Yeah, sure. Yeah, he was great. Anybody else on defense you want to highlight before we move to other, the
1: de- other pastures? The defense is amazing. I mean, that's all you can say. And, and yeah. just for Steelers fans looking forward, there, there are some, you know, they're going to lose Hargrave and Bud probably. I mean because TJ Watts coming up and that guy's going to be making 25 million dollars a year. I mean this is an edge rusher we're talking about and you're going to definitely keep him an and so it makes you kind of sad like wow they have this perfect year they they're just playing really incredible and they're probably going to take a slight step back next year. Well, think about this a lot of the Steelers rookies really became studs in their second and third and fourth years. Devin Bush could really make an emergence next year. And then that's one thing that you didn't even count on. You know, Edmonds can keep playing better. So I think that they'll still be, you get to it back. I think they'll still be really good. And hopefully if Ben comes back as a, you know, a a decent version of himself, then the offense is going to take a huge step forward. And you might have that situation that you're seeing with Drew Brees or Tom Brady or John Elway, when the, the Wiley veteran, comes in and now after carrying the team for so many years, finally has a well-balanced squad around him. And so there's so many things to be excited about. It's just with these on defense, like you just, these guys don't have a bad game. I mean, they're just playing phenomenal Joe Hayden with another great tackle behind the line of scrimmage. And yeah,
2: I mean, very encouraging. I think you make a really good point. We are essentially one player away. And uh, that is the mountain Ben, mountain man, Ben Roethlisberger. Now that we have brought on Kareth White and thank yes. goodness we brought on Amara D- Darbo from the practice <laughs> squad. So I think that completes the offensive assemblage. You know, it's such a dichotomy. You've got this prolific defense followed by offensive dysfunction.
1: It's hilarious. It's, the, it, it, it's poetic, isn't it? Because that's what we've been watching for the past six or seven, eight years, but flipped around with the offense being phenomenal and defense being bad. The funny thing is like, it's just a little bit more watchable when your offense is good because the defense makes you so angry. You know, when you play the Cowboys and you run a fake spike on the. L- which you think is going to be the last offensive play of the game, and you score a touchdown, and it's all great, and then you give up a 75-yard screen pass to Ezekiel Elliott or whatever. (laughs) I know that's not the order of operations in that Cowboys game, but you get my point. But then, like, when the defense sucks, you get to see the offense go back on there. What we watch now is just absolute ineptitude on the offensive side of the ball, and you just feel bad for Juju and Deontay and Connor and these guys who should be getting the ball more, Washington, who should be a household name now. Um, But I will say it is fun watching this great defense do their thing. Now, luckily, the Titans lost to the Houston Texans. So the Steelers are actually still the sixth seed in the playoffs. They're going to New York this week. And that's not going to be an easy game because there is literally no team that the Steelers could play where there's going to be an easy game just because this offense is such a struggle fest. Now, I a hundred percent support leaving duck in there i know mike tomlin said after the game he didn't commit to which quarterback he was gonna have play but i would think he's gonna leave duck in i mean mason rudolph got tons of chances to do his thing and i there's nothing in my body that thinks mason rudolph would have done better against a really great bill's defense you got to give duck a few chances because at the end of the day i do still think he's more physically talented than rudolph um but uh yeah, I don't know. Hopefully James Conner being a week healthier will maybe, you know, bode well for the Steelers. Now, the Jets, I think, have the number one ranked run defense in the league. So they're good. I think they've kind of padded that by playing teams that aren't that great at defend, at, at
2: running the ball. So it doesn't matter. We're not running the ball.
1: Yeah, they can defend the
2: run all they want. What do you do? What do you want? What do you do with dysfunction like that? I mean, what is the antidote? You
1: throw more screen passes and wildcat. I think is probably the solution. You do more wildcat. Yeah, more wildcat. You know, I'm surprised we haven't punted on third down yet. Yeah, he's terrible, but he's sticking feetner is sticking around because Ben wants him around. And why does Ben want him around? Because if feetner's around, then Ben's the offensive coordinator. And you know what? There's no Antonio Brown next year when Ben comes back. So who knows what's going to happen? But the offense worked okay with Ben as the offensive coordinator last year. So, and I guess Juju was the leading receiver. So, hey, maybe it'll be all right.
2: Nick, I, I don't know if you're looking at the chat window, <laughs> but I'm not. I've been trying to pitch I've been trying to get you to do the Bluetooth commercial. That's why I've used
1: dysfunction 13 times. Dysfunction. That would have been a brilliant lead. in if only I wasn't looking
2: at the Google Doc instead of my (laughs) chat window. What does one do with dysfunction that we're experiencing?
1: Well, dysfunction, it's something that men don't like to talk about. It's something that no men want to deal with, really. And there's good news. When it comes to the football field, there's really nothing you guys can do. You just got to keep watching Randy or call plays. But when it comes to the bed field, and if by bed field, I mean the bedroom, Blue Chew has got you covered. Dudes, you remember the days when you were always ready to go? I know I sure do. Now you can increase your performance and get that extra confidence in bed. Listen up. BlueChew.com. That's blue like the color blue. Blue Chew brings you the first Chewable with the same FDA-approved active ingredients as Viagra and Cialis so that you know they work. You can take them anytime, day or night, pregame, postgame, full stomach, empty stomach. And since they're chewable, they work up to twice as fast as a pill, so you can be ready whenever an opportunity arises. Just like Randy Feetner is always ready for the opportunity to have a running back play quarterback. Now – If you could benefit from extra function and more confidence workouts, Blue Chew is the fast and easy way to enhance your performance. Most guys talk a good game, but Blue Chew helps you follow through. Now, it's prescribed online and ships ships, uh, straight to your door in a discreet package. So there's no in-person doctor visit. There's no waiting in the pharmacy. No more awkwardness or just it's not the annoying process that it used to be. Thank God for the future. Thank God for Blue Chew. They're made in the USA. And That's all I have to say. So right now we got a special deal for our listeners. Visit bluechew.com and get your first shipment for free when you use our special promo code armchair. Just pay $5 for the shipping. Again, that's B L U E bluechew.com, promo code armchair to try it for free. Blue Chew
2: is the better, cheaper, faster choice, and we thank them for sponsoring the podcast so we can't let we can't let jordan berry go off the hook obviously but he is Ooh. such a schizophrenic 22 yard punt followed by a 58 yard punt um and he also had that 39 yard 39 yard punt that uh went out of bounds so tough day for him
1: yeah and you know what he's been schizophrenic throughout his steelers career Until this year. He's been so solid. So, you know, sometimes those special teams guys, you know, they'll have a bad day during the course of the season. It's just so unfortunate that it, you know, changed the outcome of the game. It is so funny. I mean, you can always use this example for the rest of time and how people overreact and how people think Duck Hodges is the future and Ben Roethlisberger threw 16 interceptions. We're just going to carry that stat and not talk about how he threw – You know, 34 touchdowns or whatever it was. And you know what I'm trying to say. People overreact. When you look at last year, what's the biggest difference between last year and the year before? It was Chris Boswell going from a phenomenal kicker to the worst kicker in the league. Even if Chris Boswell had been mediocre last year, the Steelers would have been in the playoffs and making a Super Bowl run based off how well they were playing against the league's top teams in the last four or five games of the season, right? But Unfortunately, when you play special teams, you don't get to play through it. You don't go three and out and get back on the field. You get one kick, you get one punt, and if you screw it up, it, the game hangs in the balance. And, yeah, uh, I guess
2: Barry gets the goat horns. Oh, Chris very good. Wow. Here's a guy. Yeah, I get you. Here's the guy we never talk about is Cameron candidate Canada Well, Day. that's good. Do you, I do not understand the penalty that he incurred because he bobs his head every time. What was the difference? Do they have a magnometer that measures the impact of the swing, the neck back, right before the snap? I
1: think they need one because, as Mark Cabali pointed out on Twitter afterwards, he did the same exact head motion on the next snap, and they didn't call it. Now, I'll admit, when I saw him do that on the replay, I, I agreed with their call because, as a quarterback, you can get called for that when you do the like the exaggerated like hand motion where you're pretending to say the snap count, ta. and if you um, like bob your head too hard or you flash your hands too quickly, I get that. That baits the defense into uh, having a false start. But it's just weird that they're not calling it consistently. And it seems like the Steelers get one of these every week. So with the with the phantom one that Duck did not do last week that he got called for in the false start. So maybe the refs, have, well, something against the Steelers, thinking that we're too fast for school.
2: We got two returners now, Deontay Johnson, two punt returns for 20 yards, 20, total 20 yards. But um, Kareth White on the kickoff actually had a 24-yard uh, return. Now that these guys are all kicking down to the one-yard line, mm-hmm. it's good you have somebody. Well, I mean, he's, he's kind of an unproven entity, but you know so far, so good.
1: I'll, I'm telling you, we are the Kareth White official podcast. I love Kareth White. I think he's very explosive. I think he's very intriguing. Do I know what his ceiling is? No, I do not. You need to see him in there a little bit more. I, you know, if James Conner is fully healthy, I, I do not expect Randy Fiener to do this because he doesn't know how to do anything. But I would really love to see Samuels and Snell get one snap apiece. And I want Conner on most of them. And I want to see 12 to 14 snaps for kareth white and especially for that thing where something now they're not as bad with him as they were with drew archer but you remember they got to that point when drew archer was in there when you put him in the game he was getting the ball automatically because it's not like he can run up the middle and it's not like he can pass block so it was just like this red flag whenever he went in the game that oh they're gonna pass him the ball i don't want them to let kareth white get into that similar uh, space you need to have him on the field for some plays where he doesn't get it or some plays where he blocks I don't know if he can or not because we haven't really had the opportunity to see him do it yet. I might have my doubts, you know, when it comes to a speedster like that. But, yeah, I'd love to see him get a bigger piece of the pie. And, yeah, Deontay Johnson, obviously phenomenal game last week. The week before, I believe, he showed some huge improvements in in terms of just being able to catch the ball cleanly and make smart decisions for catching Uh, after, you know, his prior two stars were kind of a disaster from that area, just catching it weird and not judging the ball right and returning it when he shouldn't be returning it. But he took a little bit of a step back. He had one awkward, weird catch on the punt. But overall, like we've been saying from the beginning of the year with him too, I was really excited about him on punt return because he has the explosion to make something happen. And we saw him do it against the
2: Cardinals, and he was fine against uh, the Bills. All right. So we march into New York against the five and nine New York Jets. As you pointed out, that is gonna be no cakewalk. Maybe mm-hmm. we get um P Butch, long suffering Jets fan idea. for the for the podcast, or maybe at least watch the game with us,
1: get some Whoa. insight. Yeah, that's a great idea. P. Butch and I were talking about it earlier. Really, if the Jets win, it's a lose-lose situation for us and P. Butch because P. Butch wants that high draft pick to get that tackle from Georgia. So the Steelers need to take business, take care of business. Now, I have been scared of this game forever on account of having to play Le'Veon Bell and how sad that is. But hopefully we see uh, Bearded Mountain Man, Flapjack Maker, Benny give – Give, give Le'Veon a little hug, and then let's see some healing for the city of Pittsburgh and for Le'Veon. We don't have enough money to bring him back, even though the, that's trying to tip him out of town. But don't love having to see him uh, play against the Steelers. That's too bad. But the good news is their offensive line doesn't exist. So he might have some trouble getting some things going against the Steelers, and Sammy D is definitely going to be under fire so this does remind me a little bit of when the Steelers played the Cardinals where it's like man that offensive line is so bad that's a very good matchup for the Steelers and I really do think
2: that well I realize you have 26 minutes left in your open season you've got to get some business taken care of while <laughs> working connected. in the minds here hit us up on twitter at Steelers Outpost shoot us an email at Steelers Outpost at gmail.com thanks for listening Until next week, go Steelers.
0: Okay, bye-bye.
1: The spirit of performance is what defines Acura. And now, it's electric. Introducing the ZDX, Acura's most powerful SUV yet. Crafted using the same formula that brought them electrified supercars and multiple IMSA championships, The ZDX has track-tested performance that packs an energy all its own. Unlock the energy and order yours at Acura.com.
2: We're driven by the search for better.
1: But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match.
2: With Indeed, leveraging over 140
1: million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences.